Really? Are you, are you serious? Tell me the truth. The truth? It's only a story. It's not real. It's only a story. Are you serious? This may very well be for real. It's not real, Peter. It's a hallucination. For real? Now lighten up. We've been sitting there all serious and shit. For real? But what am I talking about? Let's get real here. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Are you serious? Are you serious right now? For real? What is real? How do you define real? That's when you know it's for real. Get it? That's huh? It's for real. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. And I'm Matt, and I'm happy to be back. And we are back, baby. How the heck are you, bud? I'm fantastic. Uh, my, my summer, I, uh, let's see here. I learned how to get the boat set up so we could take it out in the lake. Uh, I went to a water park. There's some other stuff. Oh, we we got the internet sorted out. Uh, this is my first time testing it, but according to the uh, cool. the guy that was doing the work, this internet's gonna run like a cheetah on cocaine. So Ooh. I'm I'm excited to see if this this guy was full of shit or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also had kind of a water centric summer. Um, as as promised, I I got scuba certified. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm a certified scuba diver now, which is a big bucket list thing for me. So that which was cool. very cool. Very cool. Uh, I got COVID for the first time last week. Which is not cool. <laughs> I went three years or whatever how long it's been since it's all started. Two years since it all started. Two and a half years. Never got it. You know, no problems. And then I randomly get it. I don't even know where I got it from. I just got sick last week. And like I said, I, not, I mean, not, not super serious, I, but. I'm tying it into your you're getting scuba certified. <laughs> I just assume you got it there. Uh, I don't know how you get COVID underwater, but I, I think you figured it out. Just because I mean, those the only that's the only thing that matches up in my brain. That's the only thing I can think. Is yeah, that I mean, somebody the out only... there had COVID. Well, I mean, listen, you do share regulator like mouthpieces when you're doing some of the training stuff for like yeah, rescue yeah. to rescue your buddy and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, swapping spit on a regulator that might have gave me COVID. I don't know. Yeah, it's either that or, or licking windows, one of the two. Okay, but it uh, could be I'm, I'm, one or the other. I'm glad, I'm glad that even though you got COVID, you got like variant 38D, so <laughs> like the the lighter version. It wasn't like the oh, you might have a pre-existing condition, aka you're going to die. It was like <laughs> you're gonna feel like shit for a couple of days and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just I felt carbon for like a day and a half, and it's just been been fine ever since. So. Oh uh, yeah, so that was exciting. Um, yeah, I bought a new vehicle. I got a new truck. I mean, it's just uh, it, 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 it's great. We weren't gone that long, and I feel like a, a ton of stuff happened. I, I don't even the, like, remember. The month we were off. Yeah, I don't even remember when the last time we did a podcast was. Honestly, it feels say, like forever. I, I want to say it was like early July. I think it was like the end of July. So like we took like a month and a half, like six weeks maybe off. It just feels like know. so much has it's been such a busy six weeks, man. It 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 must have been a while because my my wife keeps saying you need to start podcasting again, which I, <laughs> I think is 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 translated as you're being an asshole and you need to socialize. <laughs> you're getting kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff been happening, man. I mean, since since last time we recorded, there was the FBI raid on Trump's place. That was crazy. Meryl Lago. Yeah, the Mer- Little Mermaid is black now. People are pissed off about that. I mean, um, well, I mean, 
listen, in her defense, in in the Little Mermaid's defense, we've uh we've we've made Jesus white for like some a couple hundred years now. So I, I mm-hmm. think I think the Little Mermaid should get a pass. Yeah, I mean I think, look, I think we should I think we should just let the black culture have this one. Well listen, and it's a fictional character. Who mermaids yeah. aren't real. They can be whatever we want them to be. So if yeah. if Disney says that this mermaid is black now, who cares? And people make such a big deal out of it. I mean the memes about it, some of them have been funny, a lot of them are like lazy racist ones, whatever. And it's like, listen, have you seen this chick? She's perfect for the role. Her eyes are so far apart, she could only play a fish. You know, that's <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke that people should be making, but they go to her like the lazy joke about her race. I mean, who gives a shit? So yeah, man, yeah. I don't care. Whatever. If it's if it's a good movie, great. Who cares? Like I said, okay. So we made a fictional character black, and in return, you know, we make our Lord and Savior white. So <laughs> I think I think everything is even now, and it's totally fine. We're all good. Nothing for anybody to be upset about anymore. We're all even. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, man, the world's crazy. That that didn't change, but it, it does nope. feel good. It does feel good to be back. A little bit of housekeeping, I guess, before we get into today's episode. But so we're going to do, like we said earlier this year, we're going to do a bunch of episodes this fall into the winter, and then we'll wrap up probably like early December, and then that'll be it for season two. So we do have some uh, some spooky ones we're looking at for October. So if there's any, again, we, we've been dying to find a good like paranormal doc. If you have one, please, please reach out and recommend. Josh, Ooh. if you recommend the Mothman 2 or the Mothman Prophecies or whatever Mothman-related nonsense you want to get into, uh, I will hunt you down. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, let's, uh, let's get back into it, man. Let's get into today's documentary. So today we are covering... Uh, Netflix's, I guess it's a docu-series. Um, it's called Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. I know there are multiple uh, untold kind of like episodes. They're like sports-centric kind of series. Uh, but we're just going to be talking about uh, the one, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. It is two episodes, a total of two hours and four minutes long. And the current uh, rating on IMDb is 7.2 out of 10. That's out of 4.6 thousand ratings. And the synopsis is, quote, from Notre Dame to the NFL, Manti Teo's future in football showed promise until a secret online relationship sent his life and career spiraling, end quote. So, Matt, I know you're not big into the old sports balls, but uh, do you remember hearing about this back when it kind of came out, when it was happening, like in real life? I actually did hear about this. Um, at the time, I just was like, oh, that poor bastard. Like, I mean, that was that was early on in the, the catfishing, you know, thing that was going on. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a regular thing at that point. I mean, now, if I can't see somebody's face, I don't trust them. And even if I can see their face, it's about... I only give them about, you know, 35% trust. So, (laughs) I mean, you can't trust anything on the internet anymore. So, but at the time, yeah, I could see how that could happen. You know, you know, well, I guess we'll talk more about it, but I mean. And and the documentary does point out that this was, you know, this was pre catfish days. This was pre, this is pre Tinder. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it it was a different time. 
young the young days kids, when the young... internet was still clean. Yeah, these young kids they don't understand. They don't understand what it used to be like to struggle. But um, so let's get into it. So the documentary opens, and we're introduced to um, one of the the players here in this story. Uh, I, and I, the the series has a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode to let you know that one of the one of the people involved here has since transitioned, and so they use this person's former name a lot. They go by a different name now. Just for ease of telling the story in our conversation, I am also going to use this person's former name. It's not a sign of disrespect, although whether this person deserves respect or not is up for debate in my eyes. But I'm going to refer to this person by their former name. I'm not doing it intentionally to be rude. It's just the way it's easiest for me to tell the story. Yeah, um, it gets it gets, gets confusing. I mean, listen, we accept the pronoun is she now. Uh we're not, none of this has anything, it, our complete lack of respect for the person has nothing to do with their gender. All right. I, right. I could ju- genuinely care less. Right. I don't give a shit. So, but yeah. so this person, they now go by Naya, I believe, or Naya um, in the documentary and in the story when it came out and everything, this person was known as Ronaya, uh, which is how they are referenced mostly in this documentary. So yeah. Ronaya is a, um, at the time, he's a dude from California. Um, he played football, played sports, but really wasn't super into the sports. And so, and, and and he had, he came from, it sounds like a very religious background. And he felt like his true self was that of a woman, but he didn't know how to express that. He couldn't, he couldn't publicly, I mean, this is, again, this is early 2000s, late you know, late 2009, 2008, it was different times. Like this wasn't so socially acceptable. It's crazy to think that only 10 years ago, this was like such a shunned thing. And now we're so dramatically like accepting of it, which is probably a move in the right direction, but it's just crazy how much has changed in like 10 days, 10 years. Well, if you think about it, I mean, 20 years ago, we would have been in high school. And back then being gay was like a huge, like social no-no at the time. Yeah, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, and honestly, I don't, I, I can't, I'm sure there, there were, I'm sure there were 100% people we went to high school with that were gay. I don't know any of that. Like, I, like thinking at the time, I don't know any of our classmates that were openly and outwardly nope. gay. I mean, I yeah, think there are some that neither. since we've, we've oh, kind yeah, of like, I'm they've positive. come out or whatever, but right, right. But yeah, we had, I mean, like, this wasn't graduated like 300 some 400 yeah. people something like that yeah so yeah. i mean i'm guessing there was a few that that actually came out afterwards yeah it's just um, crazy because back i mean yeah that, it just wasn't a thing you know it just wasn't um, it's not that it wasn't anyway, a thing it just wasn't socially acceptable at the time exactly it wasn't like a social thing right? exactly and maybe yeah. it was just not to us i don't know and uh we were in that very devout youth group so we weren't exactly yeah, we might have missed out on some, some signs. Uh, we we weren't exactly the uh, the group they would have came to, maybe. Um, yeah, uh, let's let let. Okay, so to be fair, let me and I'm gonna bring this up later. To be to be fair, uh, me and Kay were in a pretty pretty heavily devout youth group, and uh, so we were a bit probably a little bit naive as to some of the things that that went on in the general public. I don't know if you realize that after you went to college. But uh, when I joined the Air Force, I certainly, certainly was a bit of a culture shock for me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, 
<laughs> I don't even get into it all the way, but yeah, it was one of those things, you know, we, we had all the, we, we learned all the standard cliches of um, early 2000s youth groups, you know, the old uh, hate the sin, love the sinner mentality, or no, no, no. Uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, right? That was the old, yeah. the old saying, um, you know, just that kind of shit, kind of close minded shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, that's besides the point. Um, this is a documentary about us. So Renaya, uh, because they're feeling a certain way and, and they can't outwardly express it at the time, creates um, f- fake online profile um, and a persona basically as a way of pretty much like living out who Renaya felt was his true self. Um, this character he created, this online person, this persona. Um, he, he named Lene Kikua, who was, you know, a, a female online. Polynesian. Uh, then, yeah. Then we're introduced to Manti Teo, who uh, was a football player out of Hawaii. When he was in high school, he was considered the best high school outside linebacker in the entire country. And he was a super sought after prospect for colleges to go play college football in fact he said he had over 50 offers um from different universities probably like full rides and shit so he kind yeah. of had his pick of where he wanted to go he i don't know if you said this he he lived in hawaii yeah so they're like very north, destitute north, part of hawaii yeah north shore of hawaii or north shore of oahu um which is um i mean there listen there are like million dollar houses well a lot of houses there are million dollar houses but his family struggled. I think he was one of like five kids or six kids or something like that. Um, so, I mean, he, he came from a, a lower income situation. So this was like a huge, this was, they said this is the only way he's going to college basically yeah. is if he got through, through football and football was a huge part of their culture and something he really enjoyed and excelled at. So he ends up, he wanted to go to USC, but he felt like God told him cause he was very religious that God told him he should go to Notre Dame, which is a Catholic school in South Bend, Indiana. And he is a devout uh, Mormon. Mormon, right? So and he admits, is... like when he first when he first got there, he had problems acclimating just to the weather because the weather in South Bend, Indiana, oh, yeah. is yeah. wildly different. Cold, than North cold as shit. <laughs> yeah, and then with the culture, I mean, he grew up in a Mormon community to be going to school where they're devout. I mean, it might be outside of the Catholic church itself, it might be the most Catholic institution in the world, uh, Notre yeah. Dame college, uh, Notre Dame university. So, um, so there was a little bit of culture shock, but, uh, he was committed and it was during this time, uh, pretty much like his freshman year when he received this friend request from a, a girl named Lene. And like Manti said at the time, he didn't really think anything of it. Um, in fact, he had seen that, I think it was on Facebook, but they had, he had a mutual friend with Lene who was actually his cousin Shiloh. And so he reached out to Shiloh and said, Hey, do you know Lene? And Shiloh vouched and said, yeah, I know her. We, we used to talk, but that's it, whatever. But yeah, I know who she is. So in Manti's mind, that was kind of like, um, a confirmation from his cousin that she was real. The problem is Lene had been running this i don't want to call it a scam but she'd been running this false identity a false identity with men online for a while to this point where he would 
he would talk to men posing as Lene to a certain to, for a certain amount of time, and then once it became too serious, or they started expecting like to meet, or they wanted photographs and stuff, or video, or FaceTime, or whatever, he'd find a re- he'd break it off because he knew he couldn't. Then the jig was up. So to to make him himself his this Lene character seem more legitimate, he actually created the kind of a series of fake profiles who were like her family to try to legitimize the persona. And Shiloh was somebody who he had previously kind of done this with, where he had pretended to be Lene and talked to him and then, you know, broke it off or whatever. So um, again, I don't know if Shiloh was honest, like, Hey dude, I just talked to her online or if Shiloh kind of played it off. Like, Oh yeah, we talked, you know, she's cool. Well, you know, whatever. Cause again, well, at the time online dating was like a kind of a shameful thing, you know? I feel like online dating just stopped being shameful like five years ago. I, I remember my, my brother told me he was doing it and I was just like, that's so weird. That's so crazy. And I'm like, what do I, well, then I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, I, ha- I haven't like dated in over six years. What the hell uh-huh. do I know about what's weird or not nowadays? You know, I, like, I think, I think what the change was, this is my, again, I, I I've, I haven't been single since like the Tinder era, right? So like I I've, I've been in a relationship with my now wife since before Tinder became like a thing. So I I've never experienced Tinder. I've never been on Tinder. I understand conceptually how it works. In my opinion, I think online dating took off when the the numbers worked out. You know, previously it was like it was probably kind of so hit and miss, and it was kind of like how successful was it? Where it was like you talk to somebody and would you actually meet up? Cause we had like stranger yeah. danger back then. Right. You don't talk to, it's, you don't get your, put your real name out there. You don't tell people where you live. Like you don't talk to people about that kind of stuff. It's yeah. the internet. You don't meet fucking people. You might meet a but, creep. But once a certain percentage, and once you cross a threshold percentage wise of like the number of successful hookups you got, I think that's when people are like, okay, this is more acceptable. Cause I'm like, we're hooking up. Like I'm busting nuts. So now it's like, now as a society, we're like, yeah, no, this is a real thing. Cause we're busting a lot of nuts now. You know yeah, I mean? Where previously yeah. it was like, we're not busting that many nuts. It's just more dangerous than anything. But now it's like, uh, dude, we're busting like crazy. This is a good, accept this shit. I think you need to say busting a nut one more time. Just, just to make that, <laughs> that whole statement legitimate. I was going to say that, that I think Tinder took off when enough people joined into it because when it started, it was like three people and two of them were catfishing the, the third. <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as, you know, it started taking off then it, then it was like, Oh man, this is a, this is a sweet setup. I don't have to go out and find what I'm looking for. I just, I just pop in my profile and somebody comes to me, which well, yeah, I think just, like, it's like fishing with dynamite. It's just not fair. Well, and like it's, and I think the large part of it is that it became like such a successful, like a one-time hookup kind of deal. Like people, that's what people were looking for previously, but they had to pretend like they're looking for a relationship. Now you can just go on there and be like the nastiest version of yourself. And you're going to find somebody who's like, yeah, yeah, you can put you in me. That's cool. Yeah, and like, I, I'm, that's into, I, I'm into what an awful person you are. And <laughs> I mean, that's what we're all looking for is somebody just to acknowledge that. <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, so, uh, so Manti has a great 2000, uh, 2009. He has a great freshman year, becomes like a, a star like he's like a star football player uh nationally he's on espn and shit like people just realize this kid's special he's gonna go to the nfl he's gonna be an awesome a uh, football player and he and he joined he joined notre dame when notre dame had just been on a shit-tastic losing streak for like yeah 12 years or something like that like they just 
bottom of the barrel, just doing horribly. Yeah, and and that's I mean they probably had a hard time attracting talent. New when talent, you, yeah. When you have such a first of all, you're in, you're not in a desirable location. South Bend, Indiana, for anybody who's ever been through there before, uh, isn't great, and the winter time in that area is sucks. So if you're a an eighteen year old college eighteen year old high school kid, seventeen year old high school kid from looking one at of the most school, beautiful places in the country. Yeah, even if you're not, if you had a ch- if you had a chance to go to like Southern Florida or Southern California or South Bend, Indiana, I mean, unless you're a devout Catholic and you feel like God's telling you you have to go there, why the fuck would you go there? Yeah, he he was Mormon. Don't don't forget he was <laughs> he's not Catholic, which yeah. I feel like I don't like this guy had this poor kid had so much like work to get through because. You, you go to a, a heavily Catholic school and you're a completely different religion. He's probably the whole, the only Hawaiian football player there. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I feel like culturally this kid was, was off to a rough start just from the jump because I mean, I don't <laughs> I, I just feel like it must've been really tough on his end, but anyway, let's, let's continue. Anyway. Yeah. Do, so we, we, we haven't, ta- we haven't done this in so long. We just want to, we just want to talk. <laughs> Guys, listen. You're gonna listen to three hours of us just interrupting each other. <laughs> so his his junior year, 2011, Lene Lene messages Manti saying that her dad, her father is sick, and that kind of sparked a conversation online where Manti and Lene were having more deep conversations and getting to know each other, and really started pretty much you know developing feelings for each other. They would together and so it sounded like things were kind of you know taken off for him and Renaya says you know like during this time you know whenever whenever Manti would ask to like meet up or would want to like FaceTime or video chat or send pictures to each other he would always have to find a reason like some kind of excuse yeah as he, to he'd why make up some he, kind of some bullshit you know which yeah, it, and, he, it, and he's it, been doing it for so long to different people that he was pretty good at like having excuse like Oh, I see you. You don't see me. Oh, like what's going on? This is crazy. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, some real fraudster kind of behaviors, but he was yeah, good at it. I mean, yeah, he was this this he or she was good at it. At this point, it was uh, a he. He was a he. Wow. So, twenty twenty two, and so Renaya decides like he doesn't want to end it because he's. I think he's developing feelings for Manti. He's enjoying the attention he's getting from. I mean, listen, like I said, Manti is a national figure at this point, sports in the sports world, college sports world. So I think he's enjoying the fact that he has like this super popular dude who's showing him like this romantic attention when he's a secretly gay, gay at the time, a secretly gay man, I guess is how you'd say it. But the time. I, I, just, I just, I, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. People, bear with us, people. We're not trying to be disrespectful. Um, so because he couldn't, like, it just end it, but he wanted to, he makes up this story. And this is like, this is where you start going, like, it gets going from bad to worse. So he makes up a story about being in a, that Lene's in a car crash. And then that they, like, he's, un, like, she's unresponsive. And there's a whole thing where he's pretending to be, like, her brother or cousin. And there's like a breathe, like, like he's breathing into the phone, pretending to wear a mask in the hospital. And like Manti thinks that him talking is like helping her. So he does like it, every day for like over a month where he's like, it's talking it's some to seriously this despicable manipulation. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. And then there's a, and then after then, not only was the, this car crash where she's hit by a drunk driver and she's like on, you know, in a coma bad enough, but then supposedly they discover she has leukemia, um, which is like a, a soft, a tough spot for um, Manti because of the cancer or something. I think it affected his family. So he took it very like personally because he has a history, like a family history of cancer or something like that. So yeah. it was just, it was all very, very weird. And Manti like, admits like throughout the interview, him as well he admits during this time that like he had doubts because it just seems so wild what everything was happening but he had verified it with other people like he had messaged other people who were you know quote-unquote mutual friends of lynette of lynette's and he had like been told that like oh yeah i know lynette i've talked to lynette so he thought like oh this is again this is all legitimate this is very this is actually a pretty complicated hoax <laughs> really but anyway so Lene, the character, ends up getting better, and his senior year, he he has like a fan, like a out of this world senior a senior year at Notre Dame. Like it's just unreal how good he was that year. And the documentary in the interview, Ronaya believes that their relationship helped him because apparently because he had a you know it, he, he played football um, when he was in high school and stuff, so he knew he had some football knowledge. He would like give Manti like tips. And they'd like watch film together and shit. I don't know. What did you like, what did you think about Renaya like trying to to me it's like is taking credit for some of Manti's success? So I, I would just like to say that at the beginning of this, I felt bad for the Lene character. What's uh-huh. Renaya? Was Renaya, yeah. Or yeah, I felt bad for Renaya because I'm like, clearly he's going through some stuff. He doesn't you know, he doesn't feel like the gender he was born with is his gender and he's got all this other stuff. He doesn't feel like, you know, that passionately about football. He doesn't fit in with his family, blah, 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 blah. And, and right about this point, I started just being like, you are like so selfish. Mm-hmm. It was right before this point, because listen, if, if you feel like your identity, the identity you were born with does not match who you are on the inside. You want to change that. I support you. Mm-hmm. I think, Everybody should be able to do whatever makes them happy or whatever makes them feel like themselves as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Mm-hmm. At this point, he is actively messing with Mateo. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's at this, like I said, at this point, I just don't feel like I feel any sympathy towards the uh, Lene character. During this time, during his senior year, it's always when like things are going really well they're like i don't forget me here's something terrible yeah. that's happening exactly so like his senior he's doing great but like they mentioned in the documentary like he was very disciplined it's like when it was time to do football shit he did football shit you know mm-hmm. like he didn't fuck around and so the relationship started fizzling out because manti again was this super nationally known person and so Renayo decides that he, he just wants to end it basically it's fizzling out he's he's done with it he wants to end it so he plays this thing where basically Lene quote Lene's brother calls Manti and tells Manti that Lene had died suddenly and unexpectedly. The problem is this is the same day that Manti had been told that his grandmother, who he was close to had also died like the same exact day. I don't know. They don't say if Renaya knew that, that the grandmother yeah. had died that day to me, it almost seemed like he did know that and that he was going to piggyback off that or something or like, it, it seemed like, like you said, every time attention was taken away from Lene, 
all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm dying. Oh, this thing's happened. This, dr- this drama's happening. Exactly. It's, just, it's such a, it's like such a manipulative, fucked up thing to do to somebody. And that's why I, I, I stopped feeling kind of bad for the character because or the person because I was just like, you were doing all these terrible things to this this guy who basically started talking to you because you uh, you said that your dad got sick and mm-hmm. he wanted to help you through it and you're just you're just continue to mal- uh, manipulate him and just mm-hmm. do all these terrible things to him. I just I couldn't I couldn't feel any sympathy at that point. Right. And here's where things get from. I said things get bad to worse. This is where things get from worse to the worst. So um, after all this, all this drama and tragedy, Manti uses it, you know, as a as a, a warrior would do, I suppose. And he channels it into his football game, and he has like a just a excellent game. And in his in his having a good game and having you know given interviews and shit afterwards about his motivation or whatever, his inspiration for his performance. He talks about the loss of his grandmother and his girlfriend, Lene, which just the media just eats up. Here you have this this good hearted, great, you know, Christian Mormon kid from Notre Dame, his feel good story. And he overcomes this tragedy. He was so in love and so devout. And he experiences the loss of his grandmother's girlfriend. It becomes it becomes like this stupid, huge story. Right. It just kind of becomes like the defining story of his season. And he goes on to have a great season. Like his senior year was yeah, a he great year. Crushed his ass. It was like twelve. They had like it was twelve and zero. Yeah, they went undefeated. They went to the national championship that year. And he was also a Heisman candidate, which was super rare for a defensive player to be even considered for that award. So he was like, and you know, they mentioned, and we'll get into this, how the story might have helped his candidacy into the Heisman and it definitely made him more of a national figure because the media took the story and ran with it. And it it, it becomes like this huge thing. Manti, you know, is playing with this, this belief that his girlfriend had died. And um, he had actually even spoken to some of her family, including Lene's quote unquote niece, who was actually Renaya's little sister. And they actually met in person. He met Renaya in person, but Renaya was pretending to be himself as Lene's cousin, which and is his so little sister crazy. Was, and, and he convinced his little sister to pretend to be Lene's niece. And they met in person at a fucking after football game. This and so, so like crazy. And so Manti is like, okay, well I'm, I'm like, I've met her family now. You know what I mean? Like I've met people yeah. who have verified in person in real life that she existed and um, whatever. Well, because Renaya just couldn't leave well enough alone. And it was probably just, I mean, bored. Again, Board or one of the attention and Manti is a national figure, clearly a national figure. He is 100% going to get drafted to the NFL. He's going to make millions of dollars, 100%, barring some kind of like crazy injury. Renaya decides to bring Lene back from the dead and during a phone call claims to be alive and then ends which up sending. a send- bold move. Which is very bold. And then <laughs> just to make things even more complicated, and I'm, I, when I was watching this, I was trying to myself like Manti's shoes here in this moment because the entire time I'm kind of like, dude, how fucking gullible are you? Like how fucking gullible are you to believe any of this? But then when he asks, this part right here, when he asks, he says, okay, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Here's what I need from you then. If you're really Lene and you're really alive, I need you to send me a picture of yourself holding a a, a note written in red ink and it has to say these exact letters with today's date and I want you to make this hand sign and send me that picture, like a proof of life photo. 
and he fucking gets it. He gets it from this girl who he recognizes as being Lene. It's everything. It checks off all the boxes he asks for. So he's Which like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. He's just, he has no idea what to do at this point. He's like, something is obviously off here. I don't know if she's been lying to me this whole time. And that was what the worst part to me was, is that he was like, okay, this girl is messing with me. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> I mean, obviously he knows that Lene is messing with him but he doesn't even have an inkling of how badly he's getting messed with. Yeah. I don't know if like the thought that this like Lene isn't even really Lene even crossed his mind at this point. Cause he, he was just like, he talks to Lene on the phone all the time. He has, he, yeah. And he had voicemails from her yeah. and like, listen, she had, she, she sounded like a girl to me. Well, yeah. So they get into that in episode two here. So um, episode two starts out with, there's a, a blog, an online blog. I don't think that's up anymore. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. I, I can't remember. There's some drama involving the actual publication itself two years ago. But so Deadspin, which is like a sports website, receives a tip that Lene is fake. Yeah. And they introduced this, this investigator, this journalist named Tim Burke, who supposedly they really talked up his credentials of being able to Google shit. Which is, I, bit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fucking, he investigated anonymous and... He did all this crazy stuff, but basically he just he just Googled stuff. He yeah, they said he had machine. like he had access to search engines and shit information that like other people didn't at the time. It's like, okay, well, can the guy look up a fucking great clips? Because his haircut yeah. is terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> and so uh so so Tim starts looking at this and they start Deadspin starts investigating this on the on the low that Lene might not be real. And it sounded like to me like the tip it came from a guy named Chris, who I think was in Hawaii. So it sounded like to me like this is probably somebody who had been catfished previously and kind of like figured it all out. And then when it started going public, all this bullshit about Lene's dead girlfriend, this cat, the guy who got catfished previously was like, dude, this is bullshit. I got, I got, I got fleeced for this shit before. Like, this is nonsense. You but, know what I um, think? I think it was Lene. Tipped him? Tipped him off? Yeah. How are you going to get more uh, attention than that? And this whole time, this, this, this person has been all about getting attention. Oh, that's, I mean, it's, that's, that's a theory. That's a theory. Wow. That's just, I didn't, well, it's, yeah. it's possible. But, um, <laughs> so Manti at this time, so, you know, Manti has now had this, like this resurrection of his girlfriend the, to the press. He's already given a thousand interviews talking about her being dead. So he doesn't know what to do. So he goes to these, these Heisman uh, trophy press events and he decides, and he says in the documentary, I don't know what else people fucking wanted from me, because he decides to stick with the story about her being dead. Like he has, a, he, I mean, like he said, what do you want me to do? Get up for national television and tell people that my girlfriend came back to life? Like, how do you explain that? So he just stuck to the story yeah. that he had been telling that she had died, even though now he's not sure if she's dead or not, because he's got this photo and he talked to her on the phone again. So he just doesn't, he doesn't get it. Tim, while this is all going on, Tim finds some inconsistencies in some of the online coverages and stories, and he can't find any independent stories about Lene, her life or her death. And that's kind of what Deadspin's focus was on. And I, I actually, I'm kind of, gl- well, I'm glad that they made this point. They kind of explained their side of it because look, it'd be real easy to say the media really just try to fuck this dude over, like really try to run his ass into the ground um, with the story and make him look like a fool. Cause he did look like a fool, but you know, the, the investigators, the journalists from Deadspin, 
their whole take on this was the story to them wasn't look how stupid Manti Teo is, or even is Manti Teo secretly gay or is Manti Teo even part of this or whatever. Their whole thing was look at how bad these big media companies did on reporting fact in the story. Like they didn't verify shit. It's yeah. shockingly, they didn't verify shit. This person literally doesn't exist outside of stories about being Manti Teo's girlfriend. And they're, no, they're publishing stuff about her. Exactly. And, it, and it's all over. Like there's, there's like, he had like a, he showed that he had like a Microsoft Word document, like uh, pull, like pulled up where he had pull like things that were like kind of wrong and things that were like outlandishly wrong that like ESPN had posted about the story, but, and they had like times wrong, like even like to the point where some, some publications said that she died first and some publications said that his grandmother had died first. And there's just like, what's the actual story? Is nobody actually checking the actual facts of the story? Yeah. No, nobody knows. Nobody has any idea what's going on. So Manti decides, cause this is, you know, he's in over his head. So he decides, he tells his family and he tells the university about what's going on, about Lene's, you know, miracle resurrection, which listen, I mean, Notre Dame, they might've been like, eh, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to send a priest to verify this. We've, we've actually heard this one before. So this uh, actually, we might believe this. They, so she said, or Lene said that she got in trouble with some bad people and had to go like, like fake her death was yeah, her like protect, like protective custody, like hiding kind of, yeah. thing. which again, creative, I mean, outlandish, but creative, completely outlandish as around this time when, when they're doing this investigation, there's been um, journalists are when they start seeing that Lene is like trending on social media. There's people that are posting about how um, like there's other men that are identifying Lene's true identity as being that of Ornaya. And uh, the big turning point here was when Tim finds, because the entire time, you know, Lene is uh, a persona that has a consistent photo up. You know, like there's, a, there's one girl in a bunch of different photos that is representative of Lene. And so that kind of helps the justification or the, like making her seem like a real person. One of the things Tim was tasked with in his investigation was, well, who is this girl in all these photos? Like, who is this person? And he ends up finding her. Her name is Diane, and she's a former classmate of Ronaya. So Ronaya was just stealing this girl's social media pictures, like off her MySpace and Facebook, whatever, and just posting them under his fake persona that I guess she was unaware of. In fact, and just to show you kind of how depraved Ronaya had, was getting, and he in the documentary admits that this was really bad and he admits he's not proud of anything he did but in order to get that proof of life picture he reached out to his former classmate diane and had made up some story about some friend who was sick with cancer and asked her to take the photo to manti Teo specifications under the guise that this would be inspirational for his sick friend and diane just wanted to help a sick person so it's like he's using people's want and desire to help sick people to do all this tricky shit. I mean, it's really fucking bad, dude. I mean, it's really, yeah. it doesn't get much lower than that. It really doesn't. No, it's, 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 that's terrible. No, you, you are completely correct, sir. Uh, yeah, I, that's like I said, that it, it, it was pretty early on. I was like, I just felt bad for her. Mm -hmm. But then the more, the more, like the further along the story got, I was like, obviously I, you know, obviously the beginning, you're like, wow, this person's really manipulative. But at the time, I was like, 
they're being manipulative because they're they're just trying to find you know somebody that cares about them and understands the real them and blah 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 and then it just turned into this whole thing where they're doing all this stuff just to keep attention on them like Mm -hmm. why would you bring them back if you genuinely cared about mateo right well exactly it it would make it doesn't make sense like it's it it becomes like it's obviously about like getting attention for yourself like you want that validation that attention it's no longer about like, like you can't tell me you cared about this dude one way or the other, if you're willing to like wreck him like this, like it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Those things, those, those things don't jive together, you know? So during all, I mean, again, publicly during this Manti is still running with the, my girlfriend's dead. And I have a dead girlfriend story. He has a terrible national championship game in which Notre Dame loses. And so then shortly thereafter, Deadspin decides, well, we've reached out to them like Manti and his family and his team and the school, and nobody's getting back to us to comment about any of this. So we just got to run with it. We're just going to publish the story. Like we just got to, we got to put it out there. So they publish the story and it goes bonkers. Like it goes viral. This was back when like shit, like early days of things going viral, this went crazy. And I remember how wild the coverage was. I mean, it was everywhere. This story was absolutely fucking everywhere. Like 2012, 2013, it was insane. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I heard about it. I don't care anything about football. And I mean, I, I just wasn't into any of the stuff that was a part of it. And I heard about it. Mm-hmm. It was wild. I mean, and I remember at first it was like this crazy thing. It was like, holy shit, she doesn't exist. And at first people were like, what the fuck is going on? And then it, it yeah. very quickly to move and the documentary covers it. It quick, very quickly moves into was is Manti Teo a fraud? A fraud? Was he in on it? Was, you know, was he like complicit in this hoax to try to get attention to help his Heisman candidacy to try to bolster his story to get attention press? Whatever was he part of this? And then it was, is he secretly gay? And that became yeah. like the bigger, like the bigger overarching story for the whole thing is was Manti Teo actually secretly gay? And because his gay relationship turned up, now all of a sudden they're making up the story about his you know boyfriend pretending to be a this girl and it's all complicated like what's and again in 2022 uh, there's been since then there has been a there have been a few not a lot but there have been a few openly outwardly homosexual football players um so i mean like now it wouldn't be unheard of it would still be uncommon but it wouldn't be unheard of and i don't think you'd get like the public backlash but in 2013 which is less than 10 years ago like they had yeah. people that were openly like on ESPN sports commentators were openly questioning if he could be a leader in a locker room if he were gay. That's yeah, that crazy was, to me. That was yeah, that was pretty rough. Uh, like I said, I I felt bad throughout for him throughout this whole thing, but like especially this part where like this this thing he'd been working for his whole life mm-hmm. had just gotten crushed so casually by another human being it just mm-hmm. made me feel so bad for him Renaya ends up giving an interview to dr phil i and this this is uh, again they don't mention they don't say this explicitly but this is how this shit, shit works Renaya was 100 percent paid to do this fucking interview okay so this is where yeah. this is where this is where he cashed in on this lineage bullshit so he gives mm-hmm. an interview to dr phil in which you know he insists he was in love with manti and that you know he he insists that he acted alone. He didn't have any accomplices, even though we know 
he talked his, you know, his little sister into going along with it. And he says the voice is his. In fact, you know, Manti gives his own interview where he releases some of the voicemails because people are like, dude, how did you not know you were talking to a dude? And the voicemails are convincingly, Insane. they're convincingly female. I mean, if I listen to those voicemails, I think that, that to me, that is a woman's voice. I mean, it's just it's yeah. a feminine voice. It really is. You know, Renaya claims that's him. And he gives a little sample for Dr. Phil to show like that he can make that voice happen. I was curious, just in looking up some more information about this. In 2013, the New York Post, so consider the source, but they ran a story that they confirmed with Renaya's family that Renaya had a female cousin um, who was an aspiring actress who helped oh, him. Oh, man. So that he had, he had his, according to the story, according to Renaya's extended family, he had a female cousin who played the voice of Lene. So that's fucked up. Renaya denies it, but that's what the story says. The documentary doesn't say that. The documentary sticks to the Renaya was convincingly a feminine voice on the phone thing. So that's what they roll with. As Manti's uh, preparing for the draft, the NFL draft, he is previously expected to go the first round. And the documentary points this out, that there is a big money difference. The contracts are different and the money is different between the first round of the draft and the second round of the draft and sub- subsequent yeah. rounds thereafter. Like the first round is big money. Everything after that is just a diminishing returns. He is slated. He's expected to go first round clearly, easily, without question, prior to all of this. The day of the draft, he falls to number 38, um, which is the round two. He gets drafted by the San Diego Chargers. This thing – and uh, listen, he, he had a bad national game, a national championship game. There's no question – but his college, collegiate career was crazy, and his senior year was fucking nuts football-wise. So yeah. outside of this whole drama bullshit with Lene and the catfishing situation, he was clearly a first-round draft pick. This thing cost him millions of dollars. Like, Which, undoubtedly, unquestionably, yeah, millions. Un- yeah, that's – and that uh, – that, that part broke my heart because, like, his whole thing was that he was trying to make – money to take care of his family because his dad was bringing home like $300 a week or every two weeks. Mm-hmm. It was just and like crazy, which yeah, it's ridiculous. Even back then that was, that's, that's not enough to live on, you know, especially, especially with on, five kids. And on a fucking on, on Hawaii when a gallon of milk costs like six bucks easy or something crazy, nine bucks or something like that. that yeah. Wild. So, um, Renaya decides, you know, this shit's crazy. You know, it's, his life, her life, whatever, is blown up to. I mean, obviously, they've been exposed as being behind this Lene shit. So, Renaya ends up moving to American Samoa, where they he comes out as trans and transitions to... Uh, I think he says he identifies as a female now. He did mention that in American Samoan culture, there's like a different... There's like a... I don't know how to even say it, but there's a like... A subculture. A su- there's a subculture where you're not male or female, but he yeah. definitely presents more female now. I don't know. Again, this stuff is so fucking complicated. Guys, uh, if we're being offensive, it's not intentional. We're just ignorant. Yeah, I was going to so say, it's just... not, it, it, yeah, it's not disrespect. It's just ignorance. I'm going yeah. to be, I'm going to I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just a complete lack of knowledge as to right. what is acceptable nowadays because basically nothing is. <laughs> So, uh, so Manti Teo, uh, like I said, he gets drafted by the Chargers, and he says, you know, even starting the preseason when he first gets there and first gets started, he experiences like 
crazy anxiety attacks. He has like whole body numbness on the field, which he never experienced previously playing football. Like, football was his escape from everything. And now like he can't even fucking perform. Um, you know, he didn't have a great professional career. Uh, he played uh, four or five years. He ended up playing for the Chargers and for the, uh, the Saints. But he, so he didn't have a great professional football career. He did have some injury, but he, he says that this thing, this fucked him up. Um, yeah. And what was heartbreaking, and I guess this is, there have been other times where this shit has been shown, but I think in 2022, when like meme culture is just, it's here to stay, it is what it is, on like, the, the, the internet's undefeated. Okay. I've said this like a thousand times. I'll say it for a thousand times more. The internet is undefeated. It is the funniest, most clever, most horrible place ever that's ever existed. And the memes and the mockery and stuff of people are, it can be awesome. Like, it can be so fucking hilarious. But to see Manti kind of explain like how that affected him, to see like the, and his parents too, like the pictures and the memes and the, like the, and I remember like, this is back like when memes were just kind of catching yeah. their stride. I can't tell you how many fucking pictures on Facebook I saw memes of people taking pictures with their arms around nothing saying, Hey, I met Manti <laughs> Tao's girlfriend and shit. Like I saw it everywhere. Like it was everywhere. So to see like him, like get emotional and say like, this shit fucked me up. Like this was bad. Like I had a really high, I really struggled with this. Um, it was, it, it kind of shows you like there's, there is another side to that funny meme on Twitter. Um, yeah. Or on Reddit that like it you're fucking up somebody's life potentially <laughs> you know what I mean like you're really making them you're really giving them a hard time it's hilarious but you give them a hard time I don't know what the answer is I'm not saying stop or don't stop I don't know I'm just saying there is a human cost to the chuckle you get from making a funny meme which yeah um I personally me I was like uh his dad was like a kind of a huge dick to him about the whole thing he said his dad was like how, how or how could you have been so stupid? How could you have fallen for something like this? Like, mm-hmm. this wasn't a common thing back then, guys. Like, this was like a, this was a, a a new territory. You know, people didn't understand this kind of thing could happen. And you take a kid that's heavily religious and put him completely outside of his comfort zone, religiously, culturally, uh, ethnically, and you throw him like in the deep end like that, and you get, you act surprised when something that's just burgeoning in that culture catches him by surprise. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he, he was a very sheltered person who it just, it was all the right, like it was the perfect storm for this person. And listen, let's, 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 I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to be rude here, but Vernaya was a predator in the situation. He, 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 he yeah. locked into a vulnerable person, took, took advantage know. of his innocence and his lack of understanding of like that there are wolves out here, man. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like there are yeah. people that will take advantage of you and um, took total advantage of that for their own personal ego to fulfill their own, like, you know, their own shortcomings as far as wanting attention and validation as their tr- who they felt was their true self, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, one thing again, that's been, I think it was very big of Manti is in the documentary. He does say he forgives Renaya. Um, and hopes Renaya and his family are doing well, are doing well. And, you know, Manti says, look, I hope that I'm an inspiration to some people and he's willing to go through the mockery and he'll go through the jokes and the sneers and the laughs. If I think he says like, if a hundred people want to take his picture to make fun of him, but then 
one of those people do it because they're a fan of his, like it's worth it. He'll keep doing it, you know, which is again, it's a big, it takes a big person to be like, all right, Hey, you fucked up my whole thing. Everything I worked for, you fucked it up, but um, I forgive you and I'm going to kind of just deal with it. You know, dude, Um, I would, I would never forgive her. (laughs) Oh, I would have sued the, I mean, listen, I I don't know what she, I think she works at a hardware store or something in the documentary. So it's not Mm -hmm. like she's like made a bunch of money off this thing. But I would have 100% came after that Dr. Phil money. You would, mm-hmm. Renaya wouldn't have kept a fucking penny of that Dr. Phil money. I would have had all that, all that plus some. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's weird. Now, one thing I do want to mention here: the, the documentary like abruptly ends. I don't know if you, you caught that or noticed that, but like Manti Teo's talking, and then it just stops, and it goes into like a a commercial for the other untold like like episodes. Like it was a yeah, crazy yeah, weird said- editing. Yeah, he, he said something he shouldn't have, and they're like, oh, let's cut this off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they edited it that way. It was just so fucking abrupt. I was like, why is that? What? I thought they're going to like introduce like this other part of the story. I'm like, how, what the fuck does Manta Teo have to do with the NBA ref thing? Like, what the fuck? Right at the end, right at the end of it, he was like, so I got this new online girlfriend, and they're like, nope, <laughs> shut it down. So, and I, so again, in my research, so Manta Teo, he lives in Southern California. I think he lives in San Diego. He is married. And he does have a kid. I believe both of these things are real. Um, so he has a, a real wife and an actual kid, um, which is which is good for him. Um, I mean, I'm happy for the guy. It's just it's, it's a tough thing. So, Matt, what did you think about this documentary? Uh, I mean, like I said, I thought the documentary overall was good. I was entertained. I have no interest in football, and uh, honestly, I you know gen- generally like the whole catfishing thing isn't that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was informative. I thought it was good. Uh, it made me feel very empathetic towards Mateo uh, and briefly towards the Lene character. But uh, yeah, overall, I, I just, you know, like I said, it's it's tough when you take somebody out of their comfort zone, throw them into a whole new thing culturally and, you know, ethnically, everything else. And then like things like this happen. It's just... Mm-hmm these you just they're not prepared for it i i uh i think documentary was, was really good like i said this was there's a there's a lot of parts to the story i think they did a great job of like boiling it down like they really made it digestible where you could really wrap your head around everything that happened because they're like Renaya did create a bunch of different characters and it was it could have been a very complicated thing to tell and they did a great job of like laying it all out so it's easily digestible you can wrap your head around it, which I really appreciated. It was it was really good. They again they got the interviews they needed to get. They interviewed Manti. They interviewed Renaya. Renaya. I mean, so I mean they they interviewed. They got the interviews they needed to, um, which these I'm sure they weren't easy to get. And this isn't a story that I don't I don't think either one of these people want to tell the story publicly anymore. I think they're just doing it because I think from Naya's perspective. They just want to kind of get past it, just come clean and get over it and own it, which I, which was big of them. Um, and then Manti wants to, you know, let people know that like, you know, you can make fun of me if you want to, but I didn't know. And um, kind of, kind of like, I'm just gonna live my life and it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and whoever made the memes can go fuck themselves. Yeah. I mean, as I said, the, the, some of the memes are fucking hilarious, but I, I don't, I mean, Dude, it's 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 tough because like in a way I feel bad for Manta. I do, I really do. I mean, it's what a shit situation for him. And part of me though still feels bad for Naya. I mean, I still I don't feel bad for her. I I feel sorry 
for her that that was like what she thought she had to do to get validated. Like, it's a shame that she couldn't just like go to her family, be like, "Hey, uh, I, I I'm a woman and I'm gay. Like, I'm I I like dudes and I'm a I think I'm a woman." Instead of like catfishing dudes and tricking yeah. this guy to the point where it lost him millions of dollars and fucked up and potentially fucked up his like actual like professional career. Like that sucks. So um, on a scale of all right, on a scale from zero to six beers, how many beers would you need to watch this documentary again? I'd say if my wife wanted to watch it with me, I'd say one, two beers maybe. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was a good documentary. I, I really have no complaints. Uh mm-hmm. Like you said, I I, I kind of felt bad for all characters involved. I did feel like Mateo got the short end of the stick real bad, but I mean, these things happen. Are, he also made saying, millions of dollars in the NFL. So, are you saying Teo or are you saying Mateo? Uh, Mateo. Okay, his name is Manti Teo. <laughs> Manti Teo. Listen, okay, guys, I couldn't tell if you were saying Teo or Mateo. I'm like, are you saying Teo his last name? Or are you? Calling him Manti Te- like what are you saying? Okay, so listen, I had to, I had a, I had a cheat sheet that I wrote out for all these people's names because they all don't sound the way they're spelled, uh-huh. and I have not used that once during this whole podcast. <laughs> so I promise you, I have fucked up names left and right. <laughs> and to the Polynesian people, I'm sorry. All right, and the Hawaiian people, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And to, to you know, let's just I'm gonna throw in trans people as well. I'm sure I messed up some pronouns. I'm sure I was more than insensitive on one occasion. K also, I'm sure was insensitive. Mm-mm. Like I said, I'll... we're not trying to be assholes. We're fully fully support you guys. We just don't know how to verbalize that properly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would give it probably yeah a couple beers. I mean, it, it was really good. I mean, it's one that I would recommend people watch, especially if you have a, every any interest in like college football or football. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's not really about football, but it is. I mean, it's it's about. I, I kind of want to. I kind of want to go and watch the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, this is is interesting. Um, yeah, I definitely want to check out some of the other ones, and I've heard of them before, but I just I've, I haven't seen any of the other ones yet. Um, but yeah, so that is untold. The girlfriend who didn't exist. Uh, catch it on Netflix. Make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review uh, wherever you guys get your podcasts, especially on Apple. Helps out a lot. Uh, check us out on the socials. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Twitter is at For Real Pod. Send us a an email. Cancel the podcast. Cancel the podcast at gmail.com. For any questions, comments, complaints, or suggestions, like I said, we are. We're trying to plan out our October, trying to get in that spooky season for you guys. So if there's any documentaries you'd like to hear us cover, particularly about spooky subjects, please, please let us know. As always, I'm Special K. And I'm Matt. And I'll see you guys next time. Later!